Hi, I'm Ryan, the genre-defying rules guy. I'm Ben, the and how does that make you feel player. I'm Helen, the high fantasy violence simulator storyteller. And I'm Jared, the budding game master. And together, we are the Starting Equipment Podcast. Welcome to our first official episode of Season 2, guys. We are going to be doing things just a little bit differently. We have formalized our show types and have given all of the different parts of our show's fancy, fun names. The biggest reason we have done this is to make it easier to know what to expect when you tune into an episode and to make it so that we can put nice little dividers in each episode so you can just jump to your favorite parts if you don't have time to listen to the whole hour. And so we can sound like experts too. (laughs) For instance, the expert topic of the week is going to be one we've talked about having already done a lot. Our first segment is called What's Our Challenge Rating? What we mean by that is what topic are we tackling today? And today that topic is session zero. So here's a confession that I have to make, and I think my other podcasters will agree with me. I make a lot of fun of gaming companies that screw up the basic organization of their books. And I have been known to poke fun at White Wolf and Onyx Path for doing things like, I don't know, saying that something can be found on page XX of their index and never filling out what page that's actually on. So it just goes to print as XX and you're like, way to defeat the entire purpose of your index, guys. And you make fun of them for it. And my confession is we did that thing. We did did. that very thing. In our first like couple episodes, we said that we were going to be doing a session zero episode very soon, and we didn't even do it in our first season. So we're doing it now. And so this episode will be named Session XX. Wow. The Session Zero episode. The Malkavian clan book that White Wolf eventually released featuring Page XX with all the mechanics that were supposed to be on Page XX. Because they were so in on the joke. Really, guys, they were so in on it. When you've become the butt of that large joke, you only have one choice, and that's to embrace it. Like, I guess you could cry in your closet forever, but embracing it seems healthier. Yeah, they did that probably for a year, I'm guessing. (laughs) So what is Session Zero? Session Zero is the prologue to your campaign. It is also a great opportunity to set your expectations and start forming that group. So all that boring bookkeeping is out of the way in a fun, informal session. So you're just trying to get all of the boring stuff out of the way so everyone can come into session one excited, ready to go, and have a real clear idea of what to expect. I know I've talked about this in passing, but I want to like really highlight it. The hardest part of any project, any writing project, any group project, it's the blank page. It's intimidating and even expert writers frequently have a hard time starting. There's just that, you know, you stare at it and like, I'm gonna do the project. And then it's three hours later and you haven't actually written anything. This applies to just about everything. An object at rest tends to stay at rest. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. And just as a reminder, this is collaborative storytelling. So this is a great time to throw some things out there, get some feedback in. Yeah, get rid of that blank page. Make sure that when you actually all start to play, nobody feels like when they sit down on session one that there is a blank page. Because remember, it's not your blank page. It's everybody's page and you all fill it in together. That starts now. 
and that makes it even harder than one person's blank page, right? You know, you've got five people who are all trying to fill a blank page together. Just start it with something so that it can flow. I mean, I would say that the DM definitely gives the writing prompt. Most of the time, depending on the game, but but Most usually, game, yeah. yeah. There are some games like Bears. What's the full name of that game? I just call it Bears. bears. You and your friends have been turned into bears, and the only way to turn back is to do all of these odd jobs around town. All of the parts of that title that aren't you and your friends are in parentheses. Yeah, Bears. Bears. It's a great game. We'll put a link in the, in the show notes. All right. So let's set the difficulty. What do you do during session zero? You'll almost always know what game you're going to play before you sit down. But some people like to come to session zero with a couple games to pitch and everyone can decide there. You're going to talk about what type of game you're running, not specifically the system that you're using, but what is going to be some thematic elements and what is going to be the focus mechanically of that game. For instance, are you just going for a dungeon crawl? There's nothing wrong with that. Or are you going to be investigatory? Or you could even say a politics or a survival game. What should people be building their characters to be able to interact with the world that you're setting up? So some of this is defined by the setting, right? There are certainly some settings that really lend themselves to one type of game or another, but frequently it's more about what type of experience you want. D&D is always going to involve some amount of dungeon crawl, but just how much and what you do between the dungeon crawl is really up to your party. High fantasy violence simulator. <laughs> we, we know what Helen wants. So the GM likely has ideas here if you have picked one going into session zero about what they want to run. But this should be a discussion if you haven't already worked that out. I know that in some of our groups, session zero is essentially, well, we decided we weren't going to play the same game anymore. So we're still all going to meet up on whatever day it was. And that's where a few people are going to pitch some ideas that they had and the group's going to pick one of them. Congratulations. You're the GM now. Run your idea. And that's a great setup to once you have your idea of what game you're going to play, Talk about what characters you want to play. Some people like to make their characters together during Session Zero. Other people just brainstorm about what they want to play, and then they go home and make it in the weekly game. I personally find making characters together just to be horrifically time-consuming, but I would never want to make characters without making sure that everybody is comfortable and has a niche. Right. I do think an important caveat about that, Jared, specifically, is most of our games, really all of our games at this point, are online. Sitting back, uh, drinking a couple of beers, cooking up some steaks maybe, and making characters over an evening, sounds like a good time. Sitting on Discord for four hours while we all hash out dice sounds like hell. Even in person, I would rather just be like talking about campaign ideas in the setting while we make our steaks and drink our beer and send everyone home to make their character shake. That sounds like even more fun. And I know for me, I, I mechanics and mathematics entirely at my own speed. And I'm going to go through a couple of different ideas during the preparation process. And I might still run all those ideas by everybody, but I make the sheet on my own side. That's just got to happen. But one thing you should definitely do, even if you don't want to talk specific characters right then is you should figure out a niche that everyone's going to fill or give them a few different ones so that you can make of course a party that is effective but also so that everyone has a place where they can shine so one time i've already told the story but i'm going to tell it again 
I'm probably going to tell it several more times before this podcast is over. It's a good story. I was at a con and I was listening to a panel about gaming and one of the people- What? No. I know. I know. I would go and listen to a panel about gaming and then decide I want to do a podcast about gaming. That's just so out of character. And the panelist said when he was sitting down to run games, he considered a character sheet to be a contract. Not necessarily in that, you know, things can't be fudged or, you know, your powers were completely unchangeable or whatever, but in that when your player writes their character sheet, they are telling you what they want to do. If you're going to run high intrigue game about politics and someone comes to you with this master swordsman who has absolutely no socialize or empathy or sense motive, you should probably say, all right, I hear you. I understand. But for this game, I think maybe you should take some points out of being the best duelist in the world and maybe have some basic social skills. Or, you know, the reverse. If you're doing a dungeon crawl and someone makes a bard who the only thing they do is talk to people, you might want to say, that's great, and I support it, but because they are really telling you what they want to play. And you should definitely take that under advisement and give them feedback on what might work, what might be better, and how it fits into the game at large. A little caveat that I have for that is even if what they want to do is going to be in your game, but it's going to be a while, you should let them know. Like we had a game recently where all of our characters started in a caravan and we had one person who is a master social character and manipulator. And I was like, I got no problem with that. There's going to be plenty of opportunity for politics and your character showing off, but it's not going to be in the first couple of sessions. Like it might be a little while before you have your moment in the sun. Is that okay? And again, we talk about this all the time. It's all about communicating and checking in with your players, right? And that player was like, yeah, I don't care if I wait a few sessions. That's fine. So the other side of this point is if you haven't rigidly prepared what will and will not come up, say you're playing a game that that's just a lot more open-ended, this is your player flagging to you that this is something they want to come up. Like Ryan suggested, this is them telling you, I want to do this. I want to explore this. So for instance, if I send Jared a bunch of messages asking about mechanics related to combat archery, and then in a game when my character is infiltrating an antagonist's secret base for intel, perhaps it wouldn't be a surprise if I say, hey, Jared, I don't suppose she happens to notice an unsupervised short bow in this extensive arsenal, does she? And that's the great thing to ask. And if your GM is clueless, you should totally ask. I mean, even if your GM isn't clueless, you should totally ask those questions. But uh, when Helen asked me that, I was like, yeah, I had seen your nine questions and your hint, hint, hints. I was definitely going to give you that opportunity. I'm trying to reinforce that what Helen did was right. Don't assume if there's a cool thing you want to do that your GM is going to notice your subtle hints. Tell them, I want to do this cool thing. GM, try and pick up on the subtle hints so that your players don't have to do that. But if you have any questions about the subtle hints, clarify. Clarify. Don't assume. Another thing to do at Session Zero, you should talk about how your characters know each other. And, you know, it could be you don't, and you're meeting at a tavern, but you probably get more mileage out of knowing each other ahead of time. When I run games, I usually either ask the players, look to the person on your left and right, tell me how you know them, work it out with them, or I'll just tell them the hook for this game starts with, you're in a caravan going from this city to this city. Why are you there? Now, for the most interesting part, but also the most necessary part, part, the bookkeeping, the nitty gritty, 
the physical realities of how, when, and where are you playing this game. Bookkeeping makes me want to barf. Yeah, it sucks. But uh, you know why most games that never actually get played don't get played? Because they didn't do this. They said, oh yeah, we'll email about it later on and we'll come up with, you know, one of the days of the week that we're going to meet every week for sure. And then they never do or no one responds. Also, you got to figure out what type of notes are you keeping? What sort of bookkeeping are you doing as a group? Who's responsible for what? Is it collective? Is it individual? Any sort of applications people are going to be using programs what do you need to have on session one ready to go all of your stuff as a human and as a player you can also check out our season one episode on note-taking and information management in games despite not loving bookkeeping it's really important and so we did talk about it for a whole hour plus worth listening if you haven't ryan kind of mentioned this but gm's don't let your your players leave session zero without telling them how your campaign is going to start. Not that you need to, to give everything, but give them the 30 second season one trailer of your game, right? They should know if you're picking up in the middle of combat or if you're going to be on that caravan Ryan mentioned, or have you guys just fought a major battle and our game is going to start in the aftermath of it as you're like trying to help the wounded. Like that's an important thing to know and informs your characters and how they know each other and, and all of that non-bookkeeping fun stuff. And to go along with the GM telling you how you're starting in the in session one, the GM should also probably give you any necessary background information that you will need to make your character and help them fit into the world. If you just make, well, I'm playing a human fighter. I don't know anything about the countries that are around here or the any wars that have been happening recently, but I know I'm a human fighter versus I'm aware of this war happening between these two factions and I've been in these major battles. It really helps you immerse your character into the setting and really helps them, or at least for me, helps them find a voice faster. So now let's pick your approach. Let's talk about how to get the most out of session zero. The most important thing to having a su successful session zero, and this like really is like, it's rare that I'm like hard, fast, here's a rule. This is how you have a successful session zero. Your GM leads these discussions, doesn't just tell people how it's going to be. You are not a dictator. It does not work. And this really only works if the group is deciding together or taking this opportunity to decide together what is going to be fun for everyone. Session zero is all about setting expectations, which also means creating ownership. That sounds very corporate-y, but it's actually a really good thing because when you're setting those expectations and you're building that ownership of the game, people are going to be way more invested, which ultimately is synergistic to having more fun. The reasons corporations use these buzzwords is that when properly used and in their honest real life applications, they do make things better. Creating ownership and facilitating that for everyone really is how you have a great game. None of this will work if you are not honest about your needs. Corollary one, if your table is not a place where everyone asterisk feels comfortable being honest, this will not work. You have to be welcoming and be open, but also remember who and what you welcome to your table 
because those things can be part of the reason that someone else feels excluded. Corollary two, if your version of honesty makes the space uncomfortable, this will also make it not work. You're working together here. Even if the GM is telling you, I want to run this kind of campaign, I want to have these things in it, and they're laying everything down, their players are still there to interact with it. So you're still collaborating. And to avoid continuing to use jargon, you're looking for constraints. Constructive, not destructive. Corollary three, see asterisk above. Standard Nazi disclaimer. Because we always have to have one of these when we're talking about making spaces that are welcoming and open to everyone, we mean everyone except Nazis and etc. If you're calling someone out for racist, ableist, exphobic bullshit, that is always acceptable. There are no safe spaces for Nazis because any space with Nazis in it isn't safe. If you've got a table with one Nazi and six people who are being quiet and not throwing out that Nazi, you've got a table with seven Nazis. Way to up your meme game there. Yeah, damn right. Um, I, don't, I mean, that has totally become a meme, but it's also just how, like, I don't know, it's how we feel. The meme because of how frequently it has to come up, damn it. Yeah, like, it's not my fault that Nazis keep showing up at tables and I have to keep throwing them out. Another key to success and how to get the most out of your session is set up safety tools. Session zero is the time to talk about boundaries and put plans in place for how we're going to respect boundaries, how we're going to make people aware of our boundaries, some of the best safety tools that we know of. So starting with lines and veils. Lines are simply things that are not okay. If one player lists a line, it will just not come up in play, either in passing or as a plot point. You simply do not acknowledge it, do not talk about it. It does not come up or happen. For me, it's pedophilia. I simply don't want it anywhere near my fun times, even as like a thing the big bad evil guy does off screen. No thanks. Gross. Icky. Keep it away from me. Yeah, any kind of sexual violence is always a line for me. It's not something I want to explore or dress or have come up in games at all. Those are both pretty fair. I agree with those. <laughs> Veils are things that you're okay having happen in the universe, in the background. But you don't want them to be the focus of the gameplay. So as an example, if you really had a line would be like, I don't want anybody to be, I don't know, shot with a crossbow. That's really arbitrary, but whatever. You just hate it. You don't want it at all. That's a line. If you make it a veil, like, I'm okay with someone being shot with a crossbow, but I don't want it to have it happen in front of us. We can find someone who has been shot with a crossbow, but I don't want to see it happen. And don't want to make it the focus of the session. Right. Or maybe you don't see it. It is assumed that it happens. It just doesn't come up. Which is, I mean, kind of why, like, one of my veils is intense, prolonged cruelty. I don't want to watch it. Um, there's there's plenty of that in the world. I'm happy to fight somebody who's done that to someone, but um, I don't want to see it. It's draining. Yeah, like, so one of the things that happened in our, one of our games with, with this veil present is there was a friend of the party, like an NPC party friend, who had been captured and tortured by demon cultists. And the party was okay rescuing them and seeing the aftermath, but didn't 
didn't want to walk in on a torture scene or see it happening and agreed. Yeah, for me, I put child abuse as a veil. And obviously at a certain point that turns into a line. But if you want to play a, a grim game, it's like, well, shitty people exist and shitty people have kids and sometimes they don't treat their kids great. Sure, I, I get that. That's fine. I don't want it to make it the focus of the session. For me, my biggest veil is it's sex in a game. Like even if everyone all of the characters involved are, are happy, consenting adults. Watching my friends describe fantasy sex is not why I'm here. <laughs> like, I know that for some people, that's exactly why they're here and good for you, but not for me. One thing that's really important to note here is that part of the reason that we play together is because we have very similar lines and veils. Of course, you know, we've all been friends for a while now, but your group may not have that same history and chemistry, and that's fine. You just need to talk about it and be open to a spectrum. If someone tells you that they have a liner veil, they put it out on the table, and that's not a liner veil to you, it doesn't matter. That's a liner veil in the game now, and you have to respect it. Period. And don't criticize it. It's not even just respect yeah. it, but make fun of it. Treat it as sacrosanct. You do not be rude to it. It's, it is there. And they don't have to explain. They don't have to explain. But also, if you need to ask some clarifying questions, you know, this isn't an inquisition. You don't, you aren't interrogating your friend, but you know, like, okay, so, so that's a problem I understand. What about, you know, something similar or something that's in the neighborhood? Like where trying to get more information is fine. And if they don't really feel comfortable talking about that, that's fine too. But you can ask those kinds. I've had an example where I was playing in a vampire game with, again, some, some pretty good friends. All of us had put down as a line any kind of sexual violence, but the GM pointed out, okay, let's talk about feeding because in a number of the big vampire games, there is almost a metaphor for sexual violence in there. In some of the powers, there is almost a metaphor for sexual violence in there. And so we had a conversation about how feeding scenes would look what those sorts of all the areas that kind of seemed close because of the nature of a fantasy game in which things are narratively always a metaphor for something else we had that conversation not because any of us was disrespecting what had been established as a line but in order to better clarify other things and how to treat them respectfully around the central topic a really important note here lines and veils can also be about tone and not just about content i don't know why i was stupid and never realized this until it came up in one of my games but like if the world doesn't feel like it has hope in it then whatever violence you do have is going to feel like intense prolonged cruelty and be that veil you know ben doesn't want to cross even if we're not seeing that violence on on screen just having that tone to the game can make it feel like we do and that's just as important to be aware of. all right so the next one, in my opinion, the most important one, even if you've never done any of these things before, if you think it may be a bit silly to, to really hash all these things out, bring them up. The X card is important. It came from the idea of putting an index card or something else that people can see as obvious with an X on it in the middle of the table. And if anyone touches it, the scene stops. I mean, that's the eject button, right? Something's bad. We need to talk about it. And then, you know, the GM can stop it and they can politely and privately figure out what was going on and then they can move on. Even if you don't 
want the index card there, you need to have an environment with your friends where if there is a problem, someone can say, stop. Even if it's, you say stop. Even if it's a safe word, it's an index card, whatever. You need to be able to stop when someone is uncomfortable or, or stressed or anything like that. In online games, I find it's really helpful to make something that is super fast to type or show, like an agreed upon emoji or symbol that you can just put in the chat. And you want something that... If you are uncomfortable, it's not going to take you 30 seconds to convey that you are uncomfortable because that's 30 seconds. Things have gotten worse. You right? You want something really simple. Frowny face. We're done. Fair enough. <laughs> it might also be that maybe the main chat is intimidating. Even if you are only playing with good friends, sometimes that doesn't matter when you're in the middle of a deeply anxious feeling. Sometimes just message it directly to the GM, anything like that. It doesn't have to be in the main chat. GMs, keep your eye out for that. If you find perhaps online games, it's not as clear, but if you get a frowny face in your chat and a frowny face is the agreed upon pause play emoji, then pause play. That awareness is important, right? You can't let that frowny face sit in chat for any length of time without addressing it. So let me tell you about another one. I come from the far, far off distant realms of Larplandia, where something (laughs) called OK Check-In is more and more common, particularly in the last few years. Some systems require the person who is feeling the discomfort to speak up. Like the X card requires the person who is feeling the discomfort, even though it eliminates the verbal component, they still have to take an action. They still have to reach out and touch the X card. The OK check-in puts at least some of the onus on the other players in the GM, all the other participants in the scene too. When things are getting intense, when content maybe is getting close to a veil or maybe when emotions are flying or just things are starting to ramp up. In the case of LARP, if you are physically entering another person's space, you prompt a check-in. This is good for LARP or at a shared table because this doesn't require you to stop roleplay unless obviously you need to stop roleplay. It's just you flash the okay hand signal, which has to be answered by a thumbs up, a flat hand, or a thumbs down. And it can be answered by everyone in a group. You interpret these answers just as you would the green light, yellow light, red light system, which we have mentioned previously, but the essentially thumbs up means yes, green light, go on. Flat hand means yellow, slow down, reel it in a bit, maybe step out of my personal space. Thumbs down or no response means stop just like the X card. You don't have to break the foil of RP, but you can just proceed. It's that no response that I want to harp here a little bit. Particularly when emotions are high, it can be easy to think like, no response, they're fine. No, no response. You should assume things are not fine. Let's stop and clarify. If you flash the okay check-in sign and someone does not respond, you pause and you figure out what's going on. That is a sign that requires an answer. That is what makes it different from the X card. The person who is feeling uncomfortable can still be frozen in the moment and they do not have to take an action to indicate you must stop. It is no answer means no. I know that this feels like it should be obvious, but to say it and because it doesn't always feel obvious, GMs, your comfort and safety matter matters too. You should also make use of these tools, just like everyone else, GMs. It is not just for players. Safe space has to be safe for everybody. I saw someone talking on Twitter about how if we weren't editing our own actual plays, if we had a different editor who wasn't sitting down with us at the table when we were doing actual plays, they'd also need to tell us their lines and fails. 
at the very least, even if they weren't going to sit with us, just so that we can keep those in mind. If something crosses a line or veil for you, you sure as shit shouldn't have to listen to it after the fact as an editor for the podcast. Anyone who's going to be involved in your game gets to chip in their lines and veils. Everyone has to be safe. As an audio professional, I have been in that situation a few times, and it is really, really awful. Let's pivot away from safety tools to feedback tools. Ooh, Heck yeah. Yeah. So session zero is also a great time to set up a framework or put some tools in place that'll help you run your game smoothly later. Obviously, it's a good idea to have a consistent, regular checkup, you know, make sure everyone's having fun. What do you like? What do you not like? And we're going to talk about some things that'll help you remember to do that. So there's a system called Roses, Thorns, and Buds. It's pretty simple. We're using flowers as a metaphor here. After every session, you go around the table and ask each participant, GM or player, if they have any roses, thorns, or buds they wish to share. These can be directed at the GM, another player, a type of role play. Roses, they're pretty. They smell nice. Everybody loves roses, right? These are the things that are really cool. When somebody gives a rose to a situation, they want to see more of it. And it doesn't matter if it's a, an NPC that they like to type a story hook or just generally some sweet-ass role play. You know, it, it made your night you want more this is like the button the rat presses to get the pellet it's the do it again button <laughs> just keep wow. smashing the button then we have thorns thorns obviously they hurt when you grab them ouch something was wrong with that moment in the game doesn't necessarily mean you were uncomfortable but it can could just be boredom disinterest however whatever word you want to use for that but something that needs to be or hopefully can be rectified and then you have a conversation about it but of course remember to be kind and also try and do it constructively you're not trying to win you're trying to rectify an issue and these don't have to be huge things i think that that's one of the things that we sometimes get wrong is we don't think of something as needing correcting unless it's like you crossed my line screw you it could be as simple and small as hey that npc was really abrasive could you have him swear at me less or i don't know could you learn the powers on your character sheet a little better or i don't know to be passive aggressive hey dear player could you spend the 95 experience you're sitting on whatever it is right um, <laughs> is, that, is that a thorn is that a thorn Why, that, 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 that thorn? was definitely a thorn i i was in a game once with someone who intentionally was supposed to be the like the black sheep of the family and they were they made the character a little annoying but they did too good a job role playing that to the point where it was like i need you to take 50 percent off that top off your top there or i'm gonna leave because this game is getting to the point where you are too annoying to have fun <laughs> so buds finally buds these are things you saw a hint of that you want more of like maybe it wasn't fully developed yet or you just kind of want to help prod it in a direction that it becomes a rose and not a thorn something that excites you and you want to kind of help guide it in a narrative direction some examples if you tell another player you reference something in your character's past in passing right and my character the gruff silent type who doesn't like talking would never ask you any information about that but i thought that was super cool or interesting and i want you to talk about that more or hey gm 
the super minor NPC, the one you didn't even name, the butler in the tie-dye t-shirt. I want to see more of them. Can you try and have them become a recurring character? Jared, I need a butler with a tie-dye t-shirt in your game. Yeah, I can make that happen. Okay. Thank you for our first bud of the evening. The next feedback system is Stars and Wishes. This is the only one I can give credit to the people who made it because it's the only one of the systems we've talked about that I could find the creator for. Listeners, if you know who made the tools we previously mentioned, I would love for you to email us at startingequipmentpodcast at gmail.com. That is startingequipmentpodcast at gmail.com. So that in a future episode, we can give those hardworking creators their credit. But mentioning who made this because I was able to find it. Stars and Wishes were made by Lou Quaid, a blogger who's part of the Gauntlet community. We'll also have a little more crediting some of the safety mechanics in transcripts if I can find them between now and posting. And you can find, I think, X card mentioned back in season one in one of the transcripts there but it's it's been a little bit so stars and wishes are modified rose and thorns and buds but it focuses only on the positives the biggest difference in stars and wishes there's no thorns there's nothing to say i don't like that it might be a little harder to convey if something is bothering you might have to rely a little bit more on your safety mechanisms but the reason that they made this system was so that you could have a feedback system that made it really hard for anyone to feel called out. So at the end of every session, everyone who participated has a star and they hand it out. They can hand it out to other players, to specific interaction in the game, specific moments, anything that you think as the player that was awesome. That description that you gave them, that fight, when your two characters finally had their huge argument and made up, that really kick-ass speech your character made to the Duke, whatever it is, you can assign your star to that. After everyone is handed out a star everyone then goes back around the circle and makes a wish a wish is really simple it's just something you want to see in a future session so now one of the simplest yet most important things do informal but regular check-ins that's what we do at the end of every session i ask everyone like how are we feeling do we need more or less of every anything and we're not formal about it but something you do that's really good is you ask in different ways at different times too just to shake up the rhythm be intentional about your informal but regular check-ins it sounds funny but a little bit of thought about those goes a long way so now it's time to roll the dice Let's talk about examples and implementation. When you do your session zero, there are four things you need to make sure happen. First, make sure everyone is comfortable with the tone and content of your game. Make sure everyone is comfortable with the game you're going to run. Make sure everyone has the information they need to be ready with on day one. Make sure that everyone, including the GM, aren't confronted with the bank page problem on day one. And make sure that you have a recurring check-in process in place going forward. It's why we spent so much time talking about things like roses and buds, stars and witches, things that may not happen in session zero proper, but they will happen later. Everyone has to be familiar because long-term don't have just one session zero. Have you been playing for years? Have you hit a milestone that potentially changes the game in a meaningful way? You should take a few extra minutes, maybe before the next session, maybe a whole session spot. Talk about what's happening. Talk about how everyone is feeling feeling, where to go from here, anything like that. If you've been friends for a long time, sometimes that means 
you take some knowledge for granted about what your friends like or don't like or want out of a game. You have to keep asking. You have to keep following up. Session zero is not just a time to plan for how to get the most out of your narrative. It's a time to plan for how you want to keep all of that bookkeeping enthusiasm flowing for the rest of your campaign. Okay, everybody. I'm so excited to introduce our next segment. This is something brand new that we are introducing for season two. As you guys have probably figured out just listening to our podcast, Helen is the most relaxed and even keeled of our players and people in our game. But every now and then, something sends... Helen on a rant, on a tangent, like way out into left field. And I personally love listening to those moments. And so we have decided to give Helen her own personal soapbox here at the end of every meta type episode where Helen can just give us one of these rants for a couple minutes. We are calling the session Helen Spells, whatever it is she's going to talk about, because it is, you know, Helen spells out how she feels and a reference to magic in games because jokes are always funnier when you spell them out very clearly so today helen what are you gonna spell for us inventory management maybe i don't want to have to worry about how much of anything is in my character's backpack maybe i just want to be able to say that my character pulls out a dagger and two hand axes a blunderbuss and a crossbow and five bottles of byzantine fire and a bandolier of smoke bombs and a flamin short and a glaive and an ox skull and puts them all into the weapons check basket of the fancy party and everyone looks on in horror because where in the world did she get all of that out of her fancy party dress i don't want slots i don't want weight the reason that bags of holding are popular is because they are aspirational. Everyone wants that. You know what's in the designated crime van in our hunter game? About a third of a Home Depot, a third of a sporting goods store, and a wet saw with room for six adults and an angry skunk to sit comfortably. And that's what I want in real life, but I can't have that. So that's what I want in game. Maybe if it's a survival game and there's resource management and it's a whole plot and you know that going in, session zero callback, that's fine. But if I'm inconvenienced involuntarily for more than 30 seconds a night about the fantasy equivalent of discovering at the airport that my carry-on bag weighs three extra pounds and that'll be a $50 surcharge, I'm thinking too damn hard about the pockets minigame. If my character finds a gold filigree cage with a clockwork parrot that mysteriously knows their dead lover's name or something and it weighs 20 pounds, so in order for them to like carry it, I'd have to cross out a bunch of stuff on my sheet, then the food and water rations are going first and it's going to be everybody else's problem no more inventory management thank you oh my god i love <laughs> helen spells this is the best part of our new season <laughs> i'm the reason we have both the wet saw and the skunk true story <laughs> <laughs> it's important to take credit where credit is due man <laughs> all right yeah well, i'm ryan the genre defying rules guy I'm Ben, the and how does that make you feel player. I'm Helen, the high fantasy violence simulator storyteller. And I'm Jared, the budding game master. Together, we have been the Starting Equipment Podcast. And next week, we are going to bring to you our first system review of the season. I hope you enjoy our new intro and outro music brought to us by Dove Zaragoza. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next week. Stories told in this world we create
die.